Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Raptors Reasonableist Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Murphy. Joining me, as always, Eric Kareen. Eric, what's up, man? Well, I spent today doing some grocery shopping for my parents, and then I was doing, uh, trying to do my taxes, so I'm in a great mood. Uh, I'm doing really great today. How are you? That's what's hot right now, eh? You're just gonna, just gonna do your taxes? Just gonna chop onions? If you know your <laughs> Chappelle show? Uh, uh, yeah, ahead. I'm fine, man. I did my taxes a long time ago, because that's the type of person I am, and I'm weird and kind of anal like that, so... Yeah, I long ago got my barely any money from the government back. Go me. Uh, I, I hope you have a little more coming your way. Um, it looks to be like a little bit of money, and it's better than a than a kick in the uh, the nether regions. I'll tell you, the process of doing taxes, not to bore everyone to death right off the top and kill what's left of our listenership here in week eight of the NBA's hiatus, uh, this was the first year in, I think, five years where I only had one employer. I wasn't a freelancer for a good chunk of the year or the entire year and wasn't uh, my own, like, registered as my own business with the GST and HST and everything like that. The simplicity of filing taxes compared to what I was doing before was much appreciated. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, even uh, for sure, even compared to previous years, our employment status changing like that, that makes a big deal. But I did get married. So that involved figuring out a bunch of new things that weren't already saved in my uh, in my file. So, you know, maybe next year things will be as stable as possible. But who knows? Maybe I'll be fired. Maybe I'll be get divorced. Hopefully not. Hopefully neither of those things. Hopefully neither of those things. Uh, yeah. The feedback from our Raptors fan survey this week was that uh, if someone's got to go, it's me. So it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was not that was not an actual piece of feedback. We're going to talk about our Raptors fan survey at the Athletic momentarily here. Uh, before we get into that, Eric, uh, not to hammer too far down on the divorce, but based on the chatter in your home before we came on. Uh, I feel like Walter would not have your back in such a scenario. No, um, although we got uh, we got Walter and before we were married and we were just living together and we did reach an agreement where I would keep Walter and Andy would keep uh, Nico if we did split up. But now that we are in the future and we've both grown, I mean, an attached. Andy didn't consider herself a dog person. Uh, but, you know, she's a Walter person, because who isn't? So, uh, yeah, it would be complicated. And, I'm again, I'm going to try to avoid <laughs> this. But Walter Walter is a bigger fan of Andy than me. I, I think that yeah. is fair. Yeah, who among us, right? Yeah, no, I mean, that's just good taste. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm glad you guys got that sorted out. Because, uh, you know, Jose, the, the pug chihuahua that I named after Jose Calderon, is out there not with me. Because of similar mm. circumstances. Not divorced, though. Not a divorced guy. Yeah. I'm a painfully single guy. It's a much, much better brand to have. <laughs> much better brand to have, especially in quarantine. Um, guys, if you're listening, thanks so much for sticking with us through, I think, what's eight weeks now or seven weeks of this. Uh, still no clarity other than the draft lottery is being bumped back. We are eventually, at least I am on the written side of the site, uh, going to start firing up some draft stuff. The one... I guess not silver lining, but the the one thing I've been able to do productively with the extra time is this is let me catch up on draft and prospecting more than I have in recent years when the Raptors made longer, deeper 
playoff runs uh, and didn't have first round picks. So there wasn't a real urgency for me to, uh, you know, dig down on every first round prospect. So um, that's been fun. I have some thoughts, you know, philosophically and about Masai Jury's draft history. Um, we don't have a timeline still. There's still some questions about, you know, candidate, uh, draft candidates, early entry guys, and when they might be able to withdraw and how eligibility will be handled. Uh, but I think we're far enough along and I've gotten to do enough research and uh, dig down in a little bit of video that we can start rolling out some, hey, keep an eye on these five guys at this position in the late first round and these five guys in this position in the late first round and then do it again for the second round. Um, and then we have the benefit of Sam Vecini, our draft guy at The Athletic. Uh, if you are interested in his coverage or ours, theathletic.com slash we the six will get you 40% off a subscription. And we also have 90 day free trials available right now. Uh, and if you are not so inclined and just want to keep listening to the podcast, please rate, subscribe, review, all that good stuff. Eric. I like, uh, I, 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 I have to interrupt. I, I liked when you said prospecting. It just like makes me think you're in the old West and like surveying the land and uh, like maybe like becoming a miner or something. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's the vision I got, the visual. Yes. I'm going to set all of those pieces to, um, do you know, did you ever listen to Constantine's? Uh, a little bit, not, not a ton, but a little bit. Okay, well, Bry Webb of Constantine's uh, had a yeah. has some great solo stuff, including a song called River of Gold uh, that is based on their band's experience playing in the Yukon. So I will set all of my prospecting articles to that song. Uh, just like for years now, I've set my All Your Trade Columns Are Bad, All Your Trade Ideas Are Bad column to Trade Mistakes by Panic at the Disco. We'll start a new <laughs> tradition here, Eric. Uh, yeah, no, every... every... We should have a suggested soundtrack for everything we write. Uh, yeah, we'll anyway. do our best. I think I threw one in uh, in a piece we have coming Thursday that we collaborated on you as part did. of the Athletics Do-Over Blitz. Something by the Front Bottoms, I believe. Yes, something by the Front Bottoms. Uh, I recently introduced someone to the Front Bottoms, or tried to, and they were not a fan. I was like on a roll of like having given this person a lot of recommendations that they really liked in a row. And then, you know, the Front Bottoms are a band that I think are pretty hit and miss because the quality of the actual singing and the musicianship isn't that strong. And you're relying pretty heavily on the lyrics and the, you know, it, it, the imagery and also like being a Front Bottoms fan, I think. I think it's one yeah. of those things where like, you know, if you get it, you get it. And not that they're like this high minded Rick and Morty, J. Cole style thing. It's just, I think, a very specific taste. Anyway, the streak ended. Um, yeah, you know. well. It's good to, nobody's perfect, and it's bad to strive for perfection. That only, like, you should try to do a good job and try to tailor your recommendations. But look, you you are no, we're not gods here. We only That's play true. them on a website. Yeah, And, uh, you know, for the most part, I'll keep my music tastes to Columbia House Party, my other music podcast, which, by the way, might have uh, some Constantine sometime soon, might even have... Something Raptors adjacent, uh, not necessarily Raptors, but, you mm. know, someone who's been in the studio with the Raptor with a Raptor before something mm. like that. Who knows? We'll see. You, uh, you won't have me on it, though. No, at some point we might. We just, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. we're still figuring out how to we were so far ahead because we had recorded a bunch because uh, I didn't want to have to record during the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, or not not record during the playoffs, but I didn't want to like if I was on the road a bunch and the schedule didn't line up or whatever. Uh, so we were way ahead. So we still haven't recorded new episodes during all this. Well, that's uh, the benefit of planning ahead. Sure is. All right. 
not planning ahead. We uh, just talked for eight minutes uh, about not the topic we're talking about. There, there gives you an idea of how much planning uh, is on this podcast. Uh, I yeah, but we the, actually the, have the, a plan the, chem- the, the chemistry is coming through. The you know people don't think this is what they listen for, but it's what they listen for. I suppose the feedback <laughs> was mixed in the fan survey. Um, so. The fan survey. About 10 days ago, we put up a 30-question survey for you guys, uh, the readers of The Athletic, to fill out to try to gauge, uh, you know, kind of the the confidence in the state of the franchise, some quirkier questions, uh, some of the standard stuff, who's the best Raptor of all time, whose jersey should go up first, all that kind of stuff. We posted the results at TheAthletic.com on Monday morning. Sorry, I'm dealing with the hiccups a little bit here. All those uh, monster energy drinks to get me through these days of nothing. Yeah, taking a toll cho- in the hiccup. Just call. Cho- choking as usual when the moment gets big. Yeah, the moment could not be smaller. Just reading the results <laughs> of the survey that all of our listeners and readers did. Uh, thank you for helping us with the content this week. Uh, no, seriously though, thank you. Uh, more than thirteen hundred of you responded to the survey, which uh, I think gives us a pretty good. You know, maybe not a representative sample, since I would imagine that the people who subscribe to The Athletic and listen to this podcast are maybe not wholly representative of the fan base. But 1,300 is a is a pretty good sample, I think, when you're doing something like an online fan census, um, particularly contained to one website. So thank you to the 1,306 of you who responded. Um, and to the maybe 1,275 of you who took it seriously and didn't make a joke answer to every question. Uh, and and appreciate- look, we, appre- we appreciated some of the joke answers, too. Yes. Yes. Uh, it was just, you know, there are a couple a couple of them where I'm like, should I get mad at this or is this person trolling? Uh, because you know there are people out there that feel certain things. Um, you know, you wrote something recently where someone in the comments was trying to trade Kyle Lowry. And now we see that dead of the off-season NBA rumor Twitter has taken over here in May, and we're, we're getting some truly weird scenarios that we're not going to dive into here. Uh, all of that is just to say that you can't take any of the responses as certain jokes because people's opinions do vary. Uh, we're going to see throughout the course of the survey results that people's opinions vary, uh, but for the most part, people are feeling pretty good about the state of the Raptors. Eric, before we get into the specific questions, did you have any broader takeaways or anything that stood out to you, uh, surprised you from the survey results? Um, I wouldn't say surprise, but the biggest takeaway, I think, is that this is a fan base, like you said, it, it's positive. Like most of the responses were positive. And... It feels like so much of that is tied to the front office. And if the, like, you know, there's confidence in the players and confidence in the coaching staff, but this sort of idea that there's some sort of organizational structure that supersedes all of that, I, I think wasn't necessarily evident. And I'm not surprised by that because. I think I wrote it in one of the answers. Like, an organization is only as strong as the people in it. And obviously, Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster and on down to Nick Nurse and Kyle Lowry, like, those are, like, the pillars of your organization, you know, or else you're just cheering for a trademark or or, or, or laundry, as Seinfeld put it. Um, but 
You know, I, I don't think there's like this overwhelming faith in ownership, which is the one thing that you can count on, you know, probably not changing in the near future. It, it really relies that that faith relies in the front office and the coaching and the brain trust. And uh, again, not a big surprise, but I, I think it's uh, a good thing to to be aware of, uh, because there are rumors out there that, uh, you know, we've dealt with them before, we'll deal with them again, that uh, that will have many different scenarios being uh, potential, uh, you know, the, the, potentially the way things play out. Yeah, which informs some of the questions that we asked. Uh, and I think, you know, further to the point you're making is that as good as things have gone and as confident as people are, and I really, I this was, to give people an idea, this was pretty labor intensive. Like there was one guy in the comments who was like nice Microsoft Word graphs or something like that. There were 30 questions, the 30 questions worth of 1300 response data. The easiest approach here was just to run it through a quick Excel thing um, that spit out all the graphs for me. So uh, I apologize that they're not fancy graphics. Um, but uh what I would have liked to do, and I did it for one question, but it would have been interesting to me to break down some of the responses by era of Raptors fan, because yeah. there are some of these questions where most people are pretty optimistic or pretty confident, and then there's a small group, and it's about the same percentage every time. I don't know if it's the same group or people have different confidence levels about different parts of the organization, but there is a, a, a small portion of the respondents who are kind of like, yeah, that was great and things are good, but... And then you get to the open-ended questions uh, about, you know, things you'd like to see change with the Raptors. And a lot of it is like, hey, it'd be nice if we dropped the inferiority complex and stuff. And I'm like, hey... You people asking for the inferiority complex to be dropped, meet this 30% of the fan base over here who have been around through some shit and are still not entirely optimistic and confident with what's going on here. So, um, again, another reminder that everyone's opinions are going to vary and that your experiences, particularly your experiences as a fan, might shape uh, your outlook uh, for the future. Of the it'd be weird if with it'd be weird if they didn't, right? Like, you, you know, we are a product of the things we go through. Bayesian priors and all that, you know, you just, you got one thing and then you experience something and it moves it a little bit. And if someone else didn't experience that, then they might not move it the same way. Huh. I feel like the only time everyone was equally confident was game six of the NBA finals. And even that lasted for about four seconds before everyone split on Kawhi Leonard's future. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's... Anyway, I don't. Th I don't think I. I'm not sure I had any other grand takeaways. Like there were certain questions that I was more interested in than not. Like I. Let's just get into the questions, and and uh, I'll expand from there. Let's get into the questions. Um, again, you can go to theathletic.com/raptors or theathletic.com/toronto to see this. If you're not a subscriber yet, theathletic.com/we-the-six. That's the number six. You can get forty percent off a subscription right now. Uh, as well as a 90-day free trial if you don't want to commit to us like that just yet. But really, what else are you doing right now? It's a, it's a 90-day free trial, and I'm assuming most people have some time on their hands. Speaking of, if you're bored in the house, bored in the house, bored, why not spend some time on yourself? Our sponsor today, Manscaped, is here to make sure you're well-groomed above and below the belt. Manscaped promotes clean hygiene when it comes to shaving, thanks to their Lawnmower 3.0. The third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to prevent manscaping accidents. Shaving is about to be nick-free thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin-safe technology. 
You can get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com using code THEATHLETIC. And for a limited time, subscribers get not one, but two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, a $39 value, and the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped Boxer Briefs. So go to manscaped.com and use the code THEATHLETIC. All right, Eric, on to these confidence scales now. I think we can zoom through some of them pretty quickly. Uh, people were, for the most part, a 4 or a 5 out of 5 confident, uh, optimistic about the current Raptors team. Uh, that's about what you'd expect, right? Yeah, no surprise there. Uh uh, you know, not much to add. The the Raptors are good. Yeah, uh, we got into a little more specific breaking down why that optimism level is so high. We asked on a scale of one to five, what is your confidence level in head coach Nick Nurse? The answers ranged from a one out of five, which is I would like to consider a coaching change, which thankfully nobody answered because I would have somehow found their email or IP address and asked what more exactly you could want. Uh, ranging to he is the best coach in the NBA, five out of five. of respondents said he is the best coach in the NBA, which is perhaps a little hyperbolic, but is maybe just my fault for putting that as a description for a 5 out of 5 confidence level. Nick Nurse, who we covered in our awards episode, is likely to win Coach of the Year, and we feel deserving of Coach of the Year. No surprise here that a year and three quarters into his tenure, uh, the the Raptors fan base is finally happy with a coach. Well, I mean, to... You did put that very specific line. He's the best coach in the NBA. But in the, I, I think when I was while I was going to the Dominican just before the shutdown, I was listening to the Dunk Don podcast uh, with uh, Danny Larue and uh, and Nate Duncan, and there was one about like ranking all thirty coaches throughout the league, and they both ranked Nick Nurse number one. So uh, I mean, I think it's easier to say this year when there are you know I've written about Nurse being the favorite to win the coach of the year. We've written. We we've both written extensively about him and his, you know, the way he uh, experiments and and uses lineup changes and and different sort of lineups and different sort of things out there on the court. Um, but you know, if you take he's the best coach in the NBA to mean he's one of the three or five best coaches in the NBA, and there's no way he should be fired. Like I think ranking him that high is a, like a no brainer. Now, as you mentioned in the write-up, uh, let's get going on that contract extension once they're <laughs> at a quarantine a little uh, bit that's, here. That's just my my effort to try to get a cut from uh, the coach, but that would yeah. be highly... Or at least an, ex- an exclusive that, interview. You yeah, know? that would be highly unethical. Um, yes. So Don't do ple- that, Eric. Tyler, uh, please delete this part of the uh, podcast. Tyler, please, please leave it in. I, uh, <laughs> I want everyone to know that I'm the... I'm the good one. I'm the noble and just part of the podcast and part of the (laughs) team. Uh, Eric, we then got into some front office questions. Uh, We gauged people's confidence level in the front office as a whole with 87%, giving it a 5 out of 5 confidence level. We then got a little more specific based on the rumors that were out there throughout the year and throughout recent years. We asked how confident people would be if Masai Ujiri left and Bobby Webster were in charge and if Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster both left. I think as you'd expect, the confidence went from 87% at 5 out of 5 to if one of them left, the confidence level kind of moves to the middle and the graph takes on a little bit more of a bell shape, although still edging toward the confidence side. And then if both leave, this is a uh, this is a right tail spread here and people are pretty worried. 
Um, I think what that says is that people are very confident how things are going and are aware that the success of the front office and what the organization has built is about more than one person. But you can only lose so many pieces before... Um, you know, everyone's having to move up too many places or a scenario where, you know, Ujiri and Webster left, there's a huge power vacuum created uh, at the level between MLSE and whoever would take over the general manager role. So uh, nothing nothing too surprising there, I don't think. No, and like just to go a bit more into those, I, th- I think when you have a scenario in which Webster takes over and Masai leaves, like what I'm guessing most fans would be worried about or that sort of that that extra is that extra layer of uh, knowledge and of, you know, connection, basically, to many of the movers and shakers in the league, which isn't to say Bobby Webster doesn't have those. Of course he doesn't. But, you know, he's not he's not as big of a personality. He's, you know, players know who Masai Ujiri is and. And a lot of, you know, Bobby Webster often goes out of the way to be recognized, you know, who what he who he is and what he does uh, until our dad Robson profiled him. Uh, hmm. But you lose some of that star status. Like Masai Ujiri is a star executive and there just aren't many of those in the league. Like, you know, who... Who's R.C. Buford? How many NBA fans can pick out R.C. Buford? How many, like... NBA players can pick out R.C. Buford, and he's one of the best executives for a really long time. So I think having somebody who's on the competition committee, who's almost, you know, who might be, you can argue, is the face of this franchise, like, that's a very special thing. And, And when we get further away from that and you get in a scenario where both of them leave, you're talking about ownership. And that's sort of what I was talking at the beginning. Like, how much do you think this ownership group is going to put out there to maintain this and how much internal knowledge is there within the ownership group to try and attract, uh, to know who to go after and to try and attract the best names possible. And, you know, the, the, the day one fans, as you alluded to at the beginning, remember a lot of really bad or, or unsuccessful, I should say, searches for coaches or GMs. Uh, you know, Brian Colangelo, who's the biggest name who came uh, by that at that point, if you exclude Isaiah Thomas, uh, who had an ownership stake, at least a partial ownership stake. Brian Colangelo was sort of delivered by the league. This it wasn't like an MLSE thing. So, uh, you, you know, Larry Tannenbaum is a big, you know, player in the league and knows as many people uh as as a as most owners he he would be one of the more well connected owners in the league so i'm not saying the there it's a rudderless ship up there like a, it would be a disaster but you can see why especially if you have a longer memory there would be less faith in the ownership group to get it right in in sort of building a whole new front office i tuned out and all i heard was it would be a disaster was, yes. That was the tone of what you said, right? Yes. The, <laughs> every one of those rich people is uh, not good at their jobs. Yeah. Uh, a few more specifics on the state of the franchise. We asked the confidence level in the Raptors scouting and player development departments, which are something that I wrote about recently and basically said this has kind of become the defining feature uh, of their the sustainability side of their success, at least. 65% of respondents believe that the Raptors player development and scouting are the class of the NBA. I understand that not being quite as high as the confidence level overall and the confidence level in the front office and head coach. Um, I think because it's a little less tangible. And also, you know, I I think that that's something that 
it's easy to like if they miss on both their picks this year, which percentage wise is a totally normal thing to happen. Um, you know, if you if you have a late twenties pick and a late fifties pick, and neither of those guys turn into NBA rotation guys, um, you know, that's not that's not like a zeroth percentile outcome. That happens sometimes. Um, but yeah, if you suddenly throw in two missed picks into the mix, then maybe this doesn't look you know quite as strong as it has. And when you're talking about scouting and picking late in the draft or finding undrafted free agents and even player development, uh, the samples are pretty small. So I understand people not being willing to, you know, slam dunk that this is uh, full confidence, but uh, I think they're pretty good in that regard. And then it kind of wrapped this up. We asked what people's confidence level is in the Raptors competing for another championship by 2025. So being in the NBA finals or uh, winning a championship, even 27% think that uh, they'll win another title by then 48% had a four to five confidence level they'll contend for another one and then it kind of tailed off from there with a couple people thinking this was a one-time championship thing and then uh, a couple smaller percentages being lukewarm on the idea obviously things like championship windows change so quickly and we see how quickly the league can can kind of pivot and the Raptors were on the right side of that in 2018-2019 and are keeping themselves in a position for that with a strong young core uh, as well as future financial flexibility Uh, but Eric this is probably just a case of people thinking probabilistically which we can support right yeah absolutely like I look if you consider this year I would consider this year that they were contending for a championship which isn't to say they would have won I don't think they would have won or if the season begins, that they will win. Um, but, you know, they they were on pace for the second seed and more wins than last year. So if that's not championship contention, uh, you know, that means only basically two or three teams are contending for a title each year, which sometimes feels true. But I'm going to go ahead and say this year was, was championship contention. And it's not unreasonable to think that will consider long, uh, that will continue. Long term, I think people are probably asking themselves, well, A, are all those people who we just talked about going to stick around to help that, you know, help th- the transition happen? And B, how do you replace the production of some of the older players, most notably Kyle Lowry, but not exclusively Kyle Lowry, when they either age into a decline or leave the roster because of free agency or retirement or whatever happens? And, and those are very legitimate questions to ask. Uh, you know, they Lowry is defying age as we'll get into and uh it's not easy just to find another guy who's that good speaking of kyle lowry the next section focused of the survey focused on the current raptors team we asked who is your favorite member of the current raptors team survey says kyle lowry 53.2 percent of the vote pascal siakam and fred van vliet also receiving at least 10 percent of the vote um and then what do we have five more guys received 19 or more votes and Five more beyond that received at least one vote. Uh, 15 different Raptors, I think, was the number. Uh, made 13 different Raptors. Yeah, 15 different Raptors received at least one vote uh, for who people's favorite current Raptor is. Were you surprised that Lowry got more than half the vote just given his relationship with uh, the world in general? Um, it's always seemed like Raptors fans had a bit more appreciation for Lowry than the rest of the league, but there was that segment of the fan base that you know, was on the wrong side of the Lowry-DeRozan conversation and uh, maybe saw him as not as 
quite as important uh, last year. I'm not surprised at all that Siakam and Van Vliet, who are younger, who people who maybe got more hardcore during the recent years would have attached to, who are also homegrown, not surprised they came 2-3. I was maybe just a little surprised that Lowry topped 50% of the vote. Yeah, I mean, I didn't, I, I really didn't think about what the number would come at, uh, come in at, but after watching the way he conducted himself in the playoffs all of last year, I think that went a long way f- uh, to convince even, you know, the, I don't want to call them doubters. I don't think that's, th- I mean, some haters. of them are doubters, some of them are haters, but just people who didn't really appreciate what Lowry does uh, on a night-to-night basis. And again, I've said this a billion times, I'm not sure how you can watch the Raptors on a night-to-night basis and not appreciate what Lowry does. But like you could see how that translates, in, uh, you know, crucially toward a championship team. And I think retroactively, it puts what he was doing for some lesser teams uh, into more positive of a spotlight. So... Uh, I wouldn't have guessed over 50%. I probably would have guessed 40 to 45, something like that, if I had to. But, uh, man, he was... Not only was he very good during the whole run, but, like, he had the Game 6 moment. He had the moments where, you know, two moments in the final. I remember I wrote that story about him, you know, dealing with the minority owner in Game 3 when he went flying into the crowd and also doing his best to sort of get people to be quiet after the Kevin Durant injury and you could just sort of see like the respect from the rest of the league for how he plays and and who knows like maybe his all-star game performance like even (laughs) like had so i'm not like i'm joking but i'm not like no it was amazing yeah like to see him like on one of the bigger stages of the game like be utterly himself and make such a huge difference like even if it's the freaking all-star game i think that you know, I wouldn't be surprised if that turned, you know, four or five of those votes into Lowry votes. Not that anybody would necessarily know that's what happened, but I, I think, it, you know, you can look at how the last few months, the last eight months or whatever, 10 months have played out and understand how Lowry, you know, some people who were sort of Lowry neutral or, or slightly pessimistic or negative toward him could have grown to really, really admire him and, and love him in, uh, uh, in, in a few cases, at least. All right, we've got to zoom through a couple of these next ones uh, so we can get to the meteor ones at the back. We asked who your least favorite member of the Raptors team is, regrettably. Uh, that one basically came down to Stanley Johnson's contract, Patrick McCaw's usage, and uh, I can't pick Paul Watson Jr. out of a lineup, and I don't want to pick another Raptor, so I'll pick him. Uh, a bunch of different Raptors received votes. Let's just scan to pass that one. Uh, I did not like including that question. Next, which developing Raptor player do you think has the highest upside? Terrence Davis with 90% of the vote. Probably not surprising there at all. Uh, Not in that question with him was OG Ananobi. Even though OG Ananobi is the second youngest player on the team, older than only O'Shea Brissett, I sectioned him off as his own question because I wanted to get more specific. I asked, how good do you think OG Ananobi can become? 75% of people believe he can be an elite role player who nudges up against all-star status. 16% think this is about who he is here in year three, which is a a pretty high quality role player. Uh, There were 8% who believe he can break through to uh, getting to all-star status and shedding the role player 
definition. And then there were 1% who answered, which was kind of my my joke answer uh, that was in there. Did you see the Scotty Pippen episode of The Last Dance, which is the uh, high upside outcome for almost anyone since he's uh, one of the best players of all time. Uh, we've talked a lot since the season ended about OG Ananobi, particularly when we went through our awards and I made the case for his inclusion on um, all defense and possibly even first team all defense. The big thing to note here is that during the three point uh, during the shot clock era, Jason Kidd and Kyle Korver are the only non-bigs to make an all-star team with a usage rate below 16%. Ananobi's never hit that mark, so unless he is going to become a Hall of Fame level defender and rebounder like a Ben Wallace or Dennis Rodman who did it, uh, he's going to have to get that usage rate up a little bit higher, which there's plenty of time to do. Yeah, and I think the majority got it right here like you did we saw flashes whether it was you know footwork in the post or you know sort of fake into one side using his left and using the rim as protection but he's still not the guy you're giving the ball to having him drive into the middle of the of the defense and then kicking and finding an open open uh teammate or you know creating for himself in that sort of traffic Uh, he just doesn't do it enough to draw the sort of help that's required, and he doesn't do that enough because that's, you know, not where his game's at right now. I'm not sure if he can get to that all-star status, but I think, like, the right choice of these was an elite role player who, like, sniffs all-star status. I think that's about right, Um, you know, but at the same time, like, I remember, I don't know if it was last year or the year before, where... uh, Zach Lowe was asking, you know, over under on Pascal Siakam, 0.5 all-star berths. It might have been two years ago. And it was so easy to say the under then, right? And now look at him. And and that's, again, you've talked about this a bunch of times. He is maybe quite literally a once in a, in a generation development case. But it does speak to how we can't project how players are going to improve, even, you know, and Ananobi is a lot younger of a prospect than Siakam uh, was at his age. So more time to grow. Yes. Okay. Uh, We look ahead now to 2020 and 2021 priorities. Um, This is the kind of stuff that we're going to talk about probably a lot whenever we get clarity on the offseason. So briefly, we asked how high a priority is retaining Fred Van Vliet in free agency this summer. 16% of people believe there's no price too high to retain him. 66.5%, uh, sadly not 66.6, uh, believe it's a 4 out of 5 is where they put their priority. Uh, a handful of people were fine to let him walk. And then there were a couple in the 2 to 3 out of 5 range who I imagine just have a, a cap in mind, a, a price tag in mind at which they wouldn't uh, want to pass. Um, Eric, you wrote recently about Fred Van Vliet off a conference call we had with him, where I think the most interesting takeaway for me projecting the Raptors near term future, as well as their future flexibility is that Van Vliet might be more open to a short term deal now, uh, which, you know, maybe doesn't help with the 2021 space situation, but maybe helps, you know, as, as far as making decisions on Lowry, Van Vliet and Powell kind of all around the same time. Yeah, and I did ask him that. uh, I asked him that question. I think we talked about it last week, and he said, obviously, it's not my ideal situation. So um, I think, you know, either the the offers would have to not be there, or he would have to be reading the market in such a way to see how, and his representatives, of course, 
to see how much more he could make in the following year when, you know, there, there might, and we don't know all of this stuff about how, you know, the cap, where the cap's going to come in. But if there is indeed like a huge one year hit or, or it stays relatively flat, that mean that could mean a huge jump the following year. And, and maybe he thinks it doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, considering many teams are open, leaving that flexibility open for that summer anyway, maybe he makes he thinks it doesn't make sense to lock into a multi-year deal now when there will be more room available next year, even if there are, is more talent available. Um, I think the Raptors themselves are probably somewhere between a three and a four or two. Uh, they might think... The, the way I sort of sense these things usually work is you think you have a cap and then... It gets close to you losing him, and that's when you really decide if you have a cap. And I, I think what happens is is maybe the Raptors go slightly over, and this is, you know, forecasting way too far ahead. But I wouldn't surprise if the Raptors end up going slightly beyond where they're comfortable because Van Vliet means that, means that much to the team. But that's just me hypothesizing it's it's not much more because I do think he's really important to the team and the culture and all all that good stuff. All right, we've given a uh, lot of the milk away here, so to speak, uh, for stuff on the written side. These next couple questions are questions that you and I have written about pretty extensively at the, at the Athletic. So we'll just yeah. give you the answer and direct you to theathletic.com slash we the six. If you are not a subscriber yet, you can get 40% off there and check out these articles or get a 90-day free trial. We asked which free agent center... People would prefer the Raptors to retain if only one can be retained, Serge Ibaka or Marc Gasol. Serge Ibaka got 67% of the vote. Uh, in the comments, it seems largely to do with uh, him being younger. Although, Eric, as you and I have discussed and responded to people in the con- in the comments, uh, if Gasol were the only one of them amenable to a one-year deal, that might change uh, our thinking and the Raptors' thinking. You lean a little toward Gasol. I do as well. Uh, but you wrote like a full article on this, so we'll direct people there. We also asked, on a scale of 1 to 5, how confident are you in Pascal Siakam as a number one option in 2020-2021? I did a a pretty deep dive a couple weeks ago into his first season as a true number one option here in 2019-2020. You can go check that out. But as the results here, 16% of people believe you can win a title if he's your top guy. Uh, 66% of people were a 4 out of 5 confidence level. uh, And then it kind of trickled down to a couple people believe he's maybe best cast as a number three. And then a couple people in the middle where, you know, I'm sure they're looking at a number two role for Siakam. Which brings us to... On a scale of 1 to 5, how realistic do you think a 2021 free agent pursuit of Giannis Antetokounmpo is? And to what degree do you think the Raptors should value contending in 2021 versus preserving 2021 flexibility? And, you know, this is probably the most, the the tidiest that the responses lined up with my expectation of how people were split. Uh, both of these questions had almost a perfect bell curve uh, where some people are extreme on the end of pursuing Giannis and maintaining 2021 flexibility at all costs to where uh, some at the other end are, you know, trying to maximize this window now, think Giannis is a pipe dream, and then a whole bunch of people in the middle. This, um, I mean, it's interesting that the Giannis question is more of a bell cur- perfect bell curve than the other one. Uh because I know there are other stars on the market, um, but why are you maintaining that flexibility if not for Giannis? And that's not to say you can't do good things with that flexibility. Um, sure can. Uh, you sure can. You can get can. Kawhi Leonard. 
<laughs> yeah, but it, it would seem that the Raptors' history suggests that it would be very difficult to to make that sort of... I mean, it's not only the Raptors. It's very difficult beyond landing superstars to make free agency really work for you. These are usually bad contracts when you're giving them to... Uh, and this goes across most sports. When you're giving them to sort of role players, it's hard to ha- find these great value contracts. Yes. I digress. As a reminder, the only time Masai Ujiri has had cap space, really, is uh, the yeah. Damari Carroll summer, so... Uh, proceed yeah. with caution there. Um, but I think this is these are sort of like the existential questions that still face the Raptors fan base. Is like they basically say, is this a marquee franchise that can do things on the you know, if not quite at the Lakers level, then that next subgroup, or you know, if not quite the Lakers, if not quite the Miami Heat, then that next group of you know, when you're good and when you're you know, and, and and when you have a chance to win and when things are functional as they are now, can you really put it all together? And I, I'm not sure people, you know, in free agency, and I'm not sure people, I mean, I'm sure that people aren't, aren't sure. It's what you see there is almost, a you know, if not within individuals, then certainly within the fan base as a whole is like just being almost completely conflicted. Yeah, and and you know one of the most common comments we got when in that open ended question that we closed with, where we asked what people would like to see from the Raptors, um, aside from things like ticket prices and accessibility of games and broadcasts and things like that, one of the most common answers was you know showing they can sign or retain a marquee free agent. Now, in terms of retention, they did keep Lowry and DeRozan and Ibaka. They lost PJ Tucker to more money. Kawhi was always going home. All this stuff. Um, you know, Marcus all waved his trade kicker. They've certainly made progress in that regard, but people seem to still want to. And, and I wonder how much it's not even. Obviously, Giannis is, is for my money, the best player in the NBA right now. And if you get him, that would be amazing. Uh, but I do wonder if a little bit of that feeling is not necessarily about Giannis, and it's about wanting the validation of finally securing a free agent. Um, but that's a lot of psychology. I think you're absolutely right. Uh, I think. That probably does play a big part. Uh, I am contractually obligated to say the year they signed Hito Turkoglu, he was one of the most sought-after free agents on the market. Oh boy. He is not a super... He was not a superstar uh, going into that year. He certainly wasn't a superstar in the year that he played for the Raptors. But of the teams that had free agent room, and there weren't a lot of them, and they weren't like the Lakers of the world... He was a guy who multiple teams wanted. That's all. And the Raptors got him. And right. look, look how great Let's that Let's pivot was. off of Turkaloo. <laughs> Let's pivot off from the worst Raptors memory to some of the best Raptors memory. This is the Kyle Lowry segment of the survey. We get into Raptors history here. Uh, we mentioned earlier on that Kyle Lowry received a little more than 50% of the vote as uh, the fan base's favorite current Raptor. We also asked, true or false, will Kyle Lowry age at some point? Only 63% of people believe he'll age at some point. Uh, The impetus for this question was a piece I wrote Friday about how Lowry has basically bucked the standard aging curve, particularly for point guards and particularly for smaller point guards if you want to get more and more granular. Uh, Yeah, he's kicking around pretty good here at age 34. For those of us who might turn 34 this week, it's a good model to follow, and it's a the tiny, tiny shred of optimism 
uh, that our best <laughs> years are not behind us yet. We then asked, how important is it to you that Kyle Lowry retires as a Raptor? 38% of people put it a 5 out of 5. Another 32% at 4 out of 5. Uh, there was a small percentage of people who believe they should shop him this summer, which I would hope has more to do with about, you know, age and trying to get something back and, and pivoting to the next core than a dislike for Lowry. But you never know with these things. Um, not surprising that Lowry staying a Raptor means a lot to people. Although, again, I think, you know, people are probably thinking reasonably about this. And some of the, some of the 3 out of 5s there might be... Because it's, you know, he still has a couple years left and it's sometimes not going to line up that way. We then asked, who is the greatest Raptor of all time? 82% of respondents said Kyle Lowry. I can't imagine if we asked, if we did this survey before last season or in the middle of last season, that it would have been anywhere close to that. I feel like I was already at that point with Kyle Lowry before last year. Uh, However... I, I was fond of saying Vince Carter will always be the most important Raptor until someone else wins a championship with the Raptors. Now you look at Lowry and he has longevity. He has peak as a Raptor. He has been the best player on, on the Raptors for several years, uh, if not the best player on the Raptors during the finals run. Some huge, huge moments in the NBA finals. Uh, basically, he's checking all the boxes. Kawhi Leonard got 10% of the vote. Vince Carter, 7%. DeMar DeRozan, 1%. Chris Bosh with zero votes, which was at least a little surprising. Uh, Kyle Lowry with 82% of the vote as the greatest Raptor of all time. Eric, uh, were you surprised at the enormity of Lowry's victory there? No, I, I mean, I would just end up repeating what you said in in the past I mean, I think you can still make arguments that Vince and Kawhi, you know, produced the two or three greatest seasons as Raptors, although I think Kyle has some uh, seasons that are right up there with Vince's, certainly. Um, Especially if you go by a thing like win shares or or player impact plus minus. But I see Uh, when you're... He certainly tops Leonard because Leonard doesn't have the benefit of counting stats, having only played 60 games. Yeah, but I see if you're, you're doing this rough math of like pure talent and i know talent is a weird word because it's it implies that what kyle lowry does well isn't talent like being really smart and positioning yourself very well is talent and who am i to say it's not natural talent like i I don't think it all comes from book learning you know (laughs) like so but uh, when people say talent they usually think about things like you know raw athleticism scoring ability and, and so when you include that with the numbers, I, I think people could still say that Carter and Leonard have that over Lowry. Uh, but in terms of body of work, in terms of those, you know, producing just, you know, producing wins, that's what this is about. It's about who mo- impacted more wins uh, than anybody else and who impacted on a bigger stage than anybody else. And, you know, Lowry has one competitor for the second question and no competitors for the first question. So I don't think it's a tough choice. Not only just uh, the best body of work, but you could cut that sentence off a few words shorter and Kyle Lowry <laughs> still get a lot of votes as the greatest Raptor of all time. No argument here with the voting. Uh, Kyle Lowry is almost certainly the greatest Toronto Raptor of all time. From there, we go into some questions about another great Raptor who has a different bit of a relationship with uh, the fan base, that being Vince Carter. Um, You mentioned that Vince Carter's peak years are still the best individual Raptor seasons. That hasn't really changed. If Kawhi Leonard had played something like a 75 to 80 game season last year, uh, perhaps it does change in that case. Uh, But he didn't. 
and Vince Carter on some of the best seasons, he was the first, uh, you know, Raptor to, obviously Damon Sotomayor was a, a lot of fun and people knew about him, but Vince kind of put the Raptors on the map, the dunk contest, uh, the Vince sanity, the fact that he was getting the Raptors on national TV because he was so must-see. However, things ended poorly in Toronto and Vince Carter eventually uh, kind of nudged his way out of town and that has stuck with people. We asked in the survey, should the Raptors eventually retire Vince Carter's jersey? 31% of people said yes outright. 26% of people said no outright. 43% are sitting in that sweet middle on the fence with me where it says, sure, as long as he's not the first jersey to go up. The example we gave was Lowry, who I think at this point has a pretty darn good case for if the Raptors are going to put a jersey up there. Lowry's the first one. As we talked about earlier, he was voted the greatest Raptor of all time in our super official poll here. Um, so about a, a fairly even split between yes, no, and yes, but as long as someone goes up first. Uh, Eric, how do you feel about this question? I don't want to get too far into it because there's a blitz coming up at The Athletic that will probably be running in the next six weeks, I think. June, in which, June 8th, I believe. Yeah, in which I might be writing a bit more about it. Um, let me just say that I think we the discussion went from one extreme to the other a bit too quickly. And I think it's really complicated. And I, as you know, somebody who grew up rooting for the Raptors, I do not begrudge anybody who can't let his exit and some of the things he said since then uh, go. That's fair. Uh, in the comments, when we posted the survey originally, a commenter named Kieran suggested that um, we look at the different responses to this question based on when people became a fan. In the demographic section, we asked when people first became a fan. We split that into day one fans, uh, the Carter Effect fans, the kind of weird Bosch era, I can't believe I stuck around, and then the We the North and the championship fans. We did see a little bit of an effect there. Um, the day one Raptor fans, the people who identified as having been fans of the Raptors since their um, since their inaugural season were the hardest on Vince Carter. 28% of them said no outright to Carter's jersey uh, going up into the rafters. That's compared to 20% for newer fans. Uh, again, the total was 26% across the entire sample, but it, the longer term fans were a little more against uh, Carter's jersey going up. And I think that makes sense. If you're a newer fan to the team and you didn't quite live through those heartbreaks, and, you know, maybe understand the toll that that took on the franchise and the fan base. Maybe you're a little willing to look past it. I was a little surprised, though, that there wasn't a greater split than 20% here and 28% there. Yeah. Um, yeah, that uh, I would have guessed maybe that the former were lower rather than the the latter being higher, uh, I'm saying this poorly, but uh, I'd think that like newer fans would be near unanimous for that. Uh, so a bit of a surprise, but uh, I, again, I understand the animosity and uh, I, I know a few people like that myself who just do not want to see him honored. And it's hard for me to say much in response to those feelings because while I think he's done a lot, uh, for the franchise and for basketball. Uh, I don't think there's been a full reckoning with the past yet. And uh, yeah, some part people of that just... is, you know... Sorry, go on. 
I was just going to say the, the Michael Jordan documentary is an interesting look into the way that these stories kind of get told after the fact through one lens. Whereas, you know, Vince Carter's done the redemption tour and, and the so-called apology tour without ever actually doing the apologizing or the, the accountability side of it. Yeah, I, I mean, that's basically it. So uh, let's move on. We can move on. Uh, the next question kind of ties those two thoughts together. We asked who everyone's all-time favorite Raptors were. Um, Kyle Lowry coming in first. Again, surprising me not in that he came in first, but with the substantial lead. Uh, 49.7% of respondents named Lowry as their all-time favorite Raptor. Uh, nearly 10% said Kawhi Leonard. Leonard coming in second was... Uh, you know, that's I would assume that overlaps a lot with the the kind of newer group of, of fans. Uh, maybe that's not fair of me to assume, but there's a 10 percent for a guy who spent one year there, even though he was the finals MVP is a lot. Uh, Vince Carter coming in at 8.7 percent. DeMar DeRozan at 7.5 percent. And then we get into a whole bunch of guys. Uh, one, two, three, four, eight more. Then that received 10 plus votes. Another 50 received at least one vote. People got real weird in here. Former Raptors head of media relations, Jim LaBombard, received a vote. Zan Tabak received a vote. Um, Chauncey Billups, who was not, not a great Raptor and then became good elsewhere, received a vote. Drake received a vote. The Raptor. Masai Ujiri, who as good as he's been, has never actually played a game. We got a Pops Mensa Bonsu vote. A uh, Patrick Patterson vote, which tells me that Patrick Patterson filled out the survey. Uh, a lot going on here, Eric. No, that was uh, that was me. Like, <laughs> that was you. Oh boy. No, I'm joking. Um, uh, yeah, it was it was someone at EFS that <laughs> got tipped. Uh, there were like 65 different players named here. We could go through them all, but I'm glad people had fun with this. Eric, do you have an actual answer to who your all-time favorite Raptor is? Um. I'm not going to share it for a very specific reason. Uh, we can we can get back into it uh, in let's say five years. Uh, but the thing I wanted to point out is, uh, and I did write about it in, in the piece, like Charles Oakley and Jerome Williams all getting more votes than somebody like Antonio Davis is. Like, that just clarifies what this is about on, at a lower level. Obviously, at the highest level, it's, it's about production and the connection and the connection formed between player and fans. Um, but, like, Antonio Davis's career was so, as a Raptor, was so much better than Jerome Williams and Charles Oakley. And I know we're just talking about a handful of votes here, but, like... The guy was workmanlike. He carried them in, in a playoff series that they almost improbably won. He carried them to a playoff series after Carter was to the playoffs after Carter was gone. And this I, is just you digging in on the bad pick at our all time a, li a little bit. But I, I, I also just but people clearly remember those guys like oh like they're from the same time frame. So for some like. Obviously, it's because Oakley had those colorful quotes and, you know, was a badass and sometimes punched people at shoot-around and JYD did push-ups on the, on the floor. And Antonio Davis really didn't do that much uh, in terms of that. He just hit 16-footers and played uh, against people who are way bigger than him. Uh, so, uh, and the question's favorite. It's not best. So I'm not, like, criticizing that. It's just, 
Because it, it sounds that, like you are. Well, I, I mean, I think those people's opinions are wrong. Yes, but um, yeah, they're feeling. but they're all right. Yeah, they're, nah. but I can't. I it's just it, it gets at the heart of what favorite is versus best, and uh, who's to say what draws us into certain personalities? Uh, I, I would hope it would not be uh, doing push-ups on the court, but who am I to uh, to say anything? Now that we have Eric sufficiently fired up, we're going to end the podcast and just leave them all fired up for uh, for Andy and Walter and Nico. Uh, there are a couple more questions we don't have time to get into. Some of those are demographics. We also asked what your favorite game of the title run was. Uh, not surprisingly, necessarily, uh, it's not my, it wasn't my vote, but game seven against the 76ers where Kawhi Leonard walked it off received the most votes we also asked how far the raptors would have gone in the playoffs this year 63 percent of people thought they'd be out in the east finals which is uh on a balance of probabilities probably the highest the likeliest outcome i certainly see a scenario where they could have been out in the second round or you know made it through made it past the bucks again uh to find out more about those results and to read in a little more detail revisit the graphs and see our little blurbs you can go to theathletic.com if you're not a subscriber yet theathletic.com slash we the six for 40% off or a 90 day free trial. Uh, Eric, any, any thoughts to close us off here? I, I was just wondering quickly, what, what game did you pick or what do you pick? Game three, uh, game six, sorry, against the Bucks rather. Game yeah, three I, against the Bucks was right there as well. I can't remember if I picked five or six against the Bucks. Uh, it was one of those. And I do think that was sort of the peak of just pure entertainment, pure or basketball entertainment uh, uh, and quality of play. Um, although game, game five against the Warriors, uh, has a case for like most dramatic and like crazy and, and yeah, but no one's going to pick that one. But yeah, it's, it's, yeah, and it's not going to, it's not going to be anybody's favorite game, but in turn, I think it might've been like the most dramatic and in some ways, not to a Toronto specific audience, maybe the most memorable. Um, but we'll leave that there. Uh, other than that, I... I just uh, really thankful to everybody who left, who, who responded. Thankful to the people who said what they wanted to see more and or less of in our coverage. That's definitely appreciated. Uh, and as always, even though a lot of it conflicted, so I, apo- I, I apologized in the write up. I'm going to apologize again here in case you didn't see that and you're only listening. Um, I did. I went through every one of those answers and made note of them and made mental note of them, and we will try to incorporate it. But there were small pockets of you who disagree with each other on wanting more or less of certain things. So it will be impossible to please everyone with those elements of feedback, but we'll do our best. Blake, just write shorter and write longer. And write more about analytics and rely on data less. Yeah, no, just do all of that. Yeah, we'll we'll do our best. I, I don't... I don't say this because the feedback is not appreciated. It's just, you know, it's uh, impossible to me. You might. Yes. Some of you might not feel like your feedback was taken into account, but I promise you it was. And we'll do our best. Thank you, guys. Everything in moderation, including moderation, as uh, as someone once said. Uh, I do think that's it. I don't like it. Yeah. (laughs) All right, guys. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you for filling out the survey. If you did so, thanks for listening along. Uh, And check us out at theathletic.com. Eric, thanks, man. Thank you. Stay safe, everyone. See ya.